Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Betting Life Podcast, brought to you by Fantasy Life and powered by our friends at Unabated. I'm Matthew Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. It is the wild card week, and here with me to talk line moves, key numbers, teasers, and maybe a favorite bet is Peter Jennings, aka CSE Ram 88 of Unabated. Pete, how's it going? Doing great, Friedman. Uh, excited to chat about the playoffs. Uh, I think we have a really fun slate here in the wild card round, and broadly really excited about the playoffs we have all the best teams uh the only complaint i have is i wish burrow wouldn't have gotten injured and we had the Bengals. but uh, outside of that we have the best players the best teams and it should be a really fun playoffs yeah i mean i think a great slate that we have coming up and this week in particular i think has a lot of intriguing games we've got some weather games we've got high flying teams uh indoors we've got some revenge games young you know, emerging quarterbacks making their postseason debuts. We've got some grizzled veteran quarterbacks who, you know, presumably will elevate their play for the games that matter the most. As you mentioned, some of the league's best teams, and then maybe one to two teams that absolutely don't belong in the playoffs. But that's kind of what wildcard weekend is for, uh, you know, to, to see all of this mixed together and see who ends up emerging. And then in the divisional rounds, we get like some awesome games. So very much looking forward to this week and to the playoffs beyond Let's get into it, Pete. I want to start by looking at some of these line moves that we have right now. And the first game that kind of stands out in this way is the Dolphins on the road at the Chiefs. This opened as Chiefs favored by three, pretty quickly got bet to three and a half. And then four, there is, uh, I believe, a four and a half that has popped up into the market. And we might still see the market continue to move in that direction. And then on the total, 46 and a half was the number that opened in the market and that pretty quickly got bet down uh, and then has moved up a little bit to 44, 43 and a half. Uh, but, you know, we did see a low there, I think around 42 and a half and some weather concerns there. Uh, it looks like, you know, with a warm weather team and the Dolphins going on the road, playing in uh, temperatures that could be pretty close to zero with winds that might approach the double digits. You could see how the total uh, could move in that direction from the 46 and a half down to where it is now. So Pete, what do you think of these line moves so far? Yeah, I think they, they make sense. I mean, Miami just has had so many injuries. Uh, I want to like Miami in this spot. We'll talk a little bit more about the game, but the line move makes sense given the weather, the injuries for the Dolphins, and there's still uncertainty. We don't know exactly how healthy Mostert is, Achan, uh, which are running backs, but they really do matter for this team. And if you remember the last game in Germany, uh, the Dolphins really kind of turned it around in the second half running the football. So both those players matter a lot. Waddle, obviously, uh, you know, is hopefully coming back. It sounds like he'll be okay, but is he 100%? Tyreek is limited, and then they've just been decimated by injuries on the defensive side of the football. Uh, you factor that, plus going into Kansas City, with zero degree temperatures, uh, the weather is definitely impacting the slate overall. And uh, you have some winds, which I think Kansas City certainly has a big advantage on defense here. So uh, I'm not surprised by the line moves. Kansas City is kind of a tricky team to figure out overall. I think they have one of the highest floors and lowest ceilings uh, in the AFC. Uh, so I'm not surprised by the line move. I would expect this to kind of stay in the four, four and a half range. Uh, I'd be very interested in the Dolphins. Uh, if it gets into that five uh, range, especially at low juice. So that's not surprising to me. Um, you know, the game actually, that, that the line move that I, I I bet already that you didn't bring up that I think is probably still my favorite spot overall is the Eagles at Buccaneers. That line opened at two and a half and went to three. And I think people are just sleeping on this Eagles team that has played horribly. Uh, they've had some injuries, but I really think 
having this game on Monday really favors the Eagles. Uh, I think they're going to get healthy. It sounds like A.J. Brown's going to be okay. Hopefully they're getting Devontae Smith back. It sounds like Hurts is going to be all right. And really their offense uh, should be healthy uh, across the board. So I love the Eagles here, and uh, that's probably my, my favorite side. But that move from two and a half to three, which is obviously a really big move. So curious your thoughts on that game uh, and some of the other line moves. That one is really interesting to me. Now, I will say, I think what is really impactful for that game is the injury report and seeing what shakes out with all of the players there. I am assuming, you know, close to 100% Jalen Hurts is playing, but I don't think he himself will be fully healthy. So I think there's a little bit of deduction that goes on there uh, in terms of taking points away, but just kind of want to see the practice report. Does he get in a full practice this week? in advance of that game and then aj brown how serious is that knee injury is he playing Devontae smith is he playing and then on the defensive side of the ball um is darius slay able to come back and then this past week they suffered two injuries at safety uh are either of those guys going to be able to come back so the injury report i think will be really important uh to see uh if those guys are all trending in the direction of being able to play and pete you're right Getting the extra day from Sunday to Monday benefits the Eagles way more than it benefits the Buccaneers, who are pretty healthy entering entering this game. Um, the Eagles, this is their second straight game on the road. We have for the Buccaneers, this is their third game at home out of the past four weeks. So the travel situation, uh, it's not terrible for the Eagles, but it's you know certainly not in their favor. Given like the assumptions of a lot of these guys for the Eagles are out. I actually lean towards the Buccaneers in this spot, but like, that's like not an assumption that I would want to bet into right now. Like I'm just kind of waiting to see how the injury report shakes out for the Eagles. But if a number of those defensive players are out and if AJ Brown is out or, you know, Devonte Smith is out, I would probably lean a little bit more towards the Buccaneers, but I don't, I'm not sold on the fact that I would actually bet it yet. So I just kind of wait. I'm waiting to see what the injury reports look like for the Eagles. But that is that is certainly a game that has my attention. But right now, I lean a little bit more towards the Buccaneers there than I, I do the Eagles. But it's just because of the injury assumptions. Uh, another game here that has had really significant line movement. Uh, the uh, Let me see here. The Bills hosting the Steelers. The total this opened at 43 and you know within less than a day it had been very quickly bet down to 38 and a half 37 and a half it touched 35 and a half it is now 36 and a half across the industry although i believe there is still a 35 and a half that is out there like really significant line movement that i think is uh you know predicated primarily on the weather uh we could have significant snow in buffalo a lot of wind. It uh, looks like winds sustained above 20 miles per hour. Uh, you know, temperatures uh, in the teens to you know single digits. And then, of course, you have the Steelers playing in this game, uh, an under team. The Bills have been an under team. You put all that together, and it just feels like this was a touchdown too high. Uh, what are your thoughts on the line movement, and uh, any thoughts on how you might approach this game? Yeah, I'm not surprised at all by the line movement. I think this line would have gotten even more in favor of the Bills had the weather not come into play. Uh, you know, with such a low total, it's hard for the Bills to be a, a bigger and bigger favorite. I think the Steelers are clearly the worst team that made it into the playoffs. 
Uh, I think they've been pretty fortunate to honestly get in. Uh, I'm not a believer in Rudolph. Uh, and obviously the defense is good, but they just lost TJ Watt for this game. So I think that's a huge injury that's going to really impact uh, the Steelers defense. And the Bills are, are trending at the right time. Um, so I, I think this is just a clear spot where the Bills should dominate the game. The weather certainly makes it ugly. Uh, I think if there wasn't significant weather, the Bills could have gotten up to like minus 13 or something in this spot, uh, which sounds extreme, but they're just playing so much better. And I think the Steelers are the most fraudulent team, uh, you know, in, in the playoffs. So not surprising to see the total. Um, that does bring in a little bit more variance, which favors the Steelers. But uh, the, the, the Bills should really dominate this game, um, especially with the injuries that the Steelers have had. The Bills do have a lot of injuries on defense, but I think their offense is just clearly the best side uh, of this game by a, a significant margin. So I think the line's pretty fair now at 10. Um, it's really, really tough to push higher than that with a 36 total. And uh, I think the total could come down even a little bit more if we see this weather come to fruition in a big way, which, you know, we have this Arctic vortex, which uh, I, I don't see the weather getting like significantly better. It obviously could to a degree. I mean, the weather can change, but uh, it seems inevitable that we'll have some form of weather, which I, I think will keep this total kind of in check where it is now. Yeah, I agree with that. I have this projected in terms of the spread, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, pretty close to where the market is now. The total, I still think that there's a little bit of room uh, to be betting this if you know people wanted to. I grabbed this immediately uh, on Sunday night when this line was released. So I have a, uh, a 36 uh that's or a 36 and a half that's already booked but i think you know there's still value here on the under and uh you know pete to your point about like the weather like there will be weather it's just a question as to like how like how strong it is in degree but there will be weather and like winds of 23 miles per hour with a 96 percent chance of snow a high temperature of 24 but that's you know like uh, I think not really projected for game time, like game time. It will be, I think in the teens at the best, that's just, you put all this together uh, and then like, you know, historical trends, whatever, but uh, outdoor unders in the postseason, 98, 75 and four. Um, and then you look at the games specifically where there have been weather issues. So the games outdoors, 10 miles per hour of wind at minimum of 10 miles per hour. The under is 30, 16 and two. And then when it's windy and freezing, so temperatures uh, no higher than 32 degrees, the under is 15, 5, and 1. So this is just, uh, I think, not even thinking about the matchup of these two teams going against each other. This is already conditioned for an under. And then you have these two teams. Both of them can be pretty conservative in the way that they call their offense. Um I think they would both really like to have a game that's sort of like settled by a field goal, you know, uh, and then the weather on top of that. Uh, I just, I, I, yeah, I think the under, I can, I can understand the movement and I think it probably hasn't moved far enough. And then one more game here, looking at the total green Bay at Dallas, this was 48 and a half when it opened. Uh, and then looking in the market now, it is 50 and a half and ticking up to 51 at some places. Actually, 50, uh, yeah, 51 at some places. And I think there's the question like, does this move even further? Uh, you have these two teams that can put up points playing indoors, you know, perfect environment. What are your thoughts here on the total? 
Yeah, it's not surprising to see this total come up. Green Bay's been getting lit up uh, on defense uh, against, you know, below average offenses, and they've been playing awesome on offense. I mean, Jordan Love has been incredible. Aaron Jones is healthy. There's a chance to get Christian Watson back for this game. So they've been getting absolutely obliterated on, on defense by bad teams, and they've been incredible from a yards per play perspective uh, on offense and just kind of scoring at will. And Jordan Love just looks very comfortable. So indoors, I mean, Dallas is averaging, I think, like 37 points a game at home. Uh, I just think this is going to be a shootout. Uh, I would expect this line to close in the 51, 51 and a half range. I think everyone's going to want to bet over uh, when this game actually you know, goes live. So uh, I'm not surprised at all by this move. I wish I grabbed some of the 48s or 49s. And uh, I would expect it to close kind of in that 51 and a half range. There is uh, some 50s out there. There's one in particular over 50 minus 105 that I'm seeing that I think represents pretty significant value. But after that, uh, the market's kind of settling in at this 50 and a half minus 110 range. And I think it gets to 51. Yeah, that 50 is uh, a little bit intriguing. I don't have a position on this game yet. And I will say I lean towards the over. Uh, I just, you know, I don't know. Like, do I really want to bet the over in a game with a quarterback making his first post first postseason start? Like as great as Jordan Love has been, like it's a it's a tier move up. And then do I want to bet the over in a game in which Mike McCarthy could get a little tensely conservative with his play calling against his former team? Like I think like I'm leaning that direction. If I'm betting the total, it's over or nothing. I just don't know if I actually want to bet it yet. So that's the uh, the way I'm approaching that game. Now we have some of these numbers here uh, that are you know on those key numbers of three of ten. Pete, you talked about uh, Philadelphia earlier, favored by three on the road at Tampa Bay. We also have Buffalo favored by ten uh, against the Steelers. We talked about that game a little bit, and then we have the Rams on the road plus three as underdogs uh, in Detroit. Now, that one is really interesting. Is there anything else before we get to that uh, that Lions-Rams game? Anything else that you want to say about the Steelers-Bills uh, game that we have in Buffalo? Yeah, like I mentioned, I thought the Bills would get even farther out if it wasn't for weather, so I think it's pretty efficient. Uh, I don't have a position there uh, at all, but it makes sense to me. And then I still, I still like the Eagles. I totally get your point. Um, and if the injury report goes the wrong direction, it, it doesn't get, I just, Sirianni had some pretty optimistic quotes about, uh, you know, Brown, Devonta Smith, Swift, all those guys playing. So I just think that the Eagles have a really big advantage on offense with the best offensive line in football still. And if they can get everyone right, um, you know, I'm, I'm betting on just kind of some regression towards what this team was early in the year and what they were last year. Uh, defensively, I do have some concerns, and the total there is somewhat interesting to me, uh, especially if those defensive guys don't get ruled in. Baker's been pretty strong. Godwin's coming on. Mike Evans, I do think Tampa Bay could throw the ball pretty well against this team. Uh, the only counter to that would be the Eagles getting a lot of pressure on Baker Mayfield with their their front, which is still really strong in my opinion. They're just so beat up in the secondary. Uh, but, yeah, let's talk about the Rams and Lions. I mean, I think this is maybe the game of the week. Uh, you know, you have a revenge game for both quarterbacks. Uh, I'm really excited about this Rams team coming in. I hope they can make some noise and the lions. I mean, I just don't understand what the lions were doing the last two weeks. I, I tweeted about it. Uh, they had about a 3% chance to get moved up to the two seed. Uh, they played for that. And Laporta has the hyperextension and knee bruise. It sounds like he might be questionable, but I leaning more towards doubtful based on what I read yesterday. Uh, they lost Cleef Raymond as well. I just don't understand the logic of going for the two seed 
and playing your guys. Whereas the Rams, uh, you know, I thought were really smart. They got Puka, the uh, the record, but then they sat the majority of their key players and uh, essentially are coming in off a of bye, which I think is a huge advantage uh, this late in the year. So I'm leaning towards the Rams here, but curious your perspective. I mean, the Lions have been a really good football team all year, but I just I'm blown away at kind of the coaching that they've had the last couple of weeks. I mean, going for two after getting the penalty from the seven was just egregious. And then they doubled down of like, oh, we're going to do what we can do to control our own destiny and trying to get the two seed, uh, which was just really idiotic in my eyes. So uh, curious your, your perspective on kind of the coaching decisions. And then do you have a lean on this game? Yeah, I agree 100% with everything you just said there. You know, the going for two from the seven, like it was egregious, but it doesn't feel terribly egregious in that if you have, like you're throwing into the end zone. And so, you know, like throwing into the end zone from the two yard line versus the seven yard line. I mean, there's a difference, but as long as you have a play where the ball is going into the end zone, I don't think it matters all that much. And Dan Campbell said later uh, in uh, an interview with local uh, Detroit radio, uh, you know, they were asking like, Hey, we feel like you were a little bit uh, reckless in that. Like, where was the line? And he was like, if it had been like past the 10 yard line, we wouldn't have gone for it. You know, like the seven was kind of like right at that cutoff for them. So I don't think it was him fully on tilt saying like, hey, you know, like back us up to the 20. We're going for the two no matter what. So like, I don't think that was terribly egregious, but playing playing for the number two seed was terribly egregious. And the thing is, it was totally in keeping with Dan Campbell, who is um, delightfully aggressive and I would say like plus EV aggressive in most situations, but there are some situations where his like competitiveness and aggressiveness is not a virtue. And week 18, that was one of those spots where the more long sided view would have said, Hey, let's, you know, let's not play for the number two seed. Let's rest our key guys. Let's get healthy. Let's prevent injuries. And let's go into the postseason ready to go. And the thing is, even if you do that, you still have a chance to win the game. That that I think is something that actually is missing from like the analysis. It's not as if you are automatically taking the L. You are still playing a dead Vikings team. I mean, not totally dead, but you know, like not alive Vikings team with Teddy Bridgewater. Like you had a chance to win that game, even with a lot of your backups going. And I would say, like, look at the Rams. Like, that is sort of the exact situation. The Rams went into that game not needing the win, and they still got the win with their backups. And uh, they moved up from the seven seed to the six seed while resting all of their really important players. So 100% with you in terms of kind of like the coaching strategic decisions of the past week. Now, you have for this game, the, and not a good travel spot, for the Rams. Like they're going east three time zones for their third consecutive road game, but that is mitigated by the fact that they arrested many of their main starters last week. Of course, the Lions at home for their second straight game. So they have a, a very good cumulative travel situation. But as you mentioned, they lost multiple pass catchers last week and playing a meaningless game that ended up not improving their seating at all. Uh, I am very much on the Rams in this spot. I've been high on them all year. That is not stopping now. I like Dan Campbell in general, like legendary 35 and 16 against the spread record for his career at home, 18 and seven against the spread. 
but McVay, I think is a tier above, like he is a superior coach. And the problem with McVay in games tends to be that he can be a little bit conservative with his decision-making in terms of when to go for it on fourth down. But because his kickers have been so bad, he's actually been a little bit more willing to go for it recently. And because like they're on the road, they're underdogs. He also might be a little more willing to go for it and be a little more aggressive. And so like we could potentially see like the best version of McVay in this game especially because he's going against Jared Goff, you know, like he's got like the, the new girlfriend in Matt Stafford. Like, I think he's going to want to have like the best game possible that they can have. And given their time together, McVay and Goff, like no coach knows Goff better than McVay. Uh, so I think they could have a, a pretty good game plan written up uh, going against Goff and then Stafford. I mean, obviously they're on the road, but like, is Matthew Stafford really a visitor at Ford Field? Like, he's played 83 games there for his career. Uh, like, I think this is, even though they're on the road, about as good of a situation as you could get for the Rams. So, you know, very much at plus three and a half, that's where I bet the Rams loved them at that number. I still like them at plus three. I think this number should be two and a half. I, I know I just put out a lot out there, but Pete, any more thoughts on this game here? Yeah, I mean, I agree with just everything you said. I mean, I think the Rams have a coaching advantage with McVay. They know Jared Goff super well. And I think the real advantage they have and why we see with this total is I just think offensively they're going to be able to really dominate this game. I mean, Stafford is a Hall of Fame quarterback, I think one of the most underrated players, uh, you know, the last decade. And he has great weaponry. I mean, Puka has been incredible. Cooper Cup really started to come on strong towards the end of the year. He gets another week off to rest. They're playing indoors, which I think really helps him. Kieran Williams has been an absolute stud game changer for them. Uh, so I just think offensively uh, they have an advantage versus a Detroit defense, which has been okay. Uh, good at times, uh, not so impressive at other times, but I think this offense is just too much. And then, you know, on the other side of the football, like you mentioned, I am confident that Detroit will be able to move the ball and get some explosive plays, but Laporta was one of the best tight ends and super important to this team. Uh, especially in the middle of the field, really helped set up Amon, say, Amon Ross St. Brown in the running game. So I think that's a pretty big deal. And I do think the one thing you hit on, which is why I like the Rams, is McVay knows Goff and this team super well, and I think they're going to have a really strong game plan. So I like the Rams. I love the Rams at three and a half. At three, I think it's uh, still something that where I lean that way. I don't know if I'll have a position, but yeah, I, I think I really want the Rams to make some noise because I think Stafford is one of the more underrated players and um, that just a huge quarterback advantage in a game that really sets up well, especially with the rest factor. I mean, at this stage of, you know, I, I think it's a huge advantage to get that rest for players. And uh, I'm just blown away that, you know, the the Lions made that decision to, to play all their guys. So um, yeah, give me the Rams here. And uh, we are both aligned on being bullish on the Rams from earlier in the year. And I think that paid off. Yeah, and looking at the injuries, you mentioned Laporta out. Uh, their number two tight end, Brock Wright, dealing with an hip, a hip injury. No guarantee that he plays in this game. Uh, number two wide receiver, Jamison Williams, dealing with an ankle injury. No guarantee that he plays. And then number four wide receiver, Khalif Raymond, with that knee injury suffered last week. Like, this is a very good Lions offense, but... You know, with all of these guys missing, it might not be as explosive as we've seen previously. Yeah. 
So yeah. I expect I expect Jamison uh, Jamison Williams to play, and I actually really like him. If you're playing best ball or DFS, I think he's a really really strong play as a cheap guy. I mean, he's started to come on towards the end of the year, playing more snaps, running more routes, super explosive. Um, those are the type of players I like to bet on. High pedigree young players late in the year. I, I think he could have a really big game. But the Raymond injury is a sneaky big one. Uh, he had an electric punt return, uh, and you know now they're going to have to throw someone else back there, and that's. You know, those little things can add up. Uh, and I, again, Laporta, I'm expecting him not to play. Uh, he is electric, and I, I think he would have been right there as the number one tight end for best ball coming into the year. So that's just it's a just mind blowing to me that that they they played their guys. And um, yeah, I hope I hope the Rams win here, and I'm rooting for Stafford to make some noise in the playoffs. Yeah. All right. Two games that um, are sitting perfectly in the teaser zone. One of them we've talked about Cowboys minus seven and a half, uh, great teaser option down to one and a half. And then we have the Texans hosting the Browns Texans plus two and a half can be teased up to eight and a half. Do you have thoughts on the teaser possibility uh, that we have here with these two games? Do you like, you were mentioning you like the Green Bay teasing it down to one and a, uh, or, tease, or I'm sorry, it'd be Dallas teasing it down to minus one and a half. That's right. Uh, that, that shows us an edge here an unabated. Uh, I like that game a lot as a teaser. And then, yeah, the Texans is interesting. Uh, we haven't talked much about that game. Uh, I can make bull cases for both spots. Initially, I really thought I was going to like Cleveland. Um, but it's interesting. You know, you go back. Uh, it was only three or four weeks ago. That line closed at three and a half uh, when Stroud was out. And, you know, now we're seeing that line around two and a half, three with Stroud coming back in. And I, I do know the trend with uh, these rookie quarterbacks or quarterbacks making their first playoff appearance. Um, Turnoff mentioned it on his podcast, 38% against the spread uh, for quarterbacks making their first playoff start. So that's a big deal. But I do think Stroud is kind of unique. Uh, and Cleveland, you know, I think they've been somewhat lucky on offense. I do think Flacco has, has played well, but they've been a little bit lucky. Uh, and really it's going to come down to how elite their defense can be, which is a big step up. And the Texans haven't played a defense, you know, this good, obviously outside of the game that they had against uh, the Browns. So I generally lean towards the Browns, but the thing that makes me a little nervous is you have a, a home underdog and I, and I am just a big believer in CJ Stroud. I think he is going to be uh, a top tier quarterback for a long time. And I, I don't think this is going to be too big of a moment for him. So I'm, I'm torn on what to do here. Uh, I lean towards the over, if anything, uh, in this game. I do think that, you know, we saw a lot of points the last time they played. Um, but, yeah, curious your perspective. The one other thing I should have mentioned that I think is relevant, Browns basically rested their entire team, which I think was smart. Uh, so they're coming in with a, 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 essentially a quasi-buy, and the Texans had to go all out in an epic game versus the Colts. Um, so they're coming in, you know, not as rested on a short week here. This is the first game. So I think that that aspect also favors the Browns. Do you have a lean on uh, the cider total here? Yeah. Um, I lean a little bit more towards the Texans in this spot. I was projected around one and a half. Um, now that is taking into account um, that the, the Browns, as you mentioned, are kind of coming off of like a, a miniature buy in which they rested a lot of their key players. Uh, but that is mitigated a little bit by the fact that you have them on their second road game um, in as many weeks and that they have one less day of rest. Uh, Houston played on Saturday last week, so they still have like a full week of rest. Houston played on Sunday, so one less day. So, you know, one less day and they're traveling, but 
you know, mitigated by the fact that they did rest a lot of their guys. Um, all of that said, I still lean a little bit more towards uh, the Texans here, but it's, you know, the difference between one and a half and the two and a half that we have in the market, it is not a massive lean. And I can see, you know, the case for both sides. Joe Flacco has been awesome in the postseason, 11 and four against the spread, 10 and three against the spread uh, when not at home in the playoffs. Um, and you have Stroud making his first start in the postseason going against a really strong defense in the, the Browns, maybe the best defense in the league. Then again, I kind of agree with you that like I don't think Stroud is going to come up small in this moment. Like he hasn't been small in any moment uh at any point this year. I I I think he's already one of the best quarterbacks that we have in the league. And the Browns defense on the road hasn't been nearly as good as it has been at home on the road, 29.6 points allowed per game, 1.9 points allowed per drive at home, 13.9 points allowed per game, 1.7 points allowed per drive. So I lean towards the Texans in this spot, but I haven't bet it. I'm holding out and hoping for the plus three. And if the market holds or it slightly moves against the Texans, then I think I would probably put them in a teaser, maybe the money line. But that is the way I'm thinking about this side right now. And then for the total, um, it's weird. Like I'm showing significant value on the under, but I think there's a decent chance I'm wrong. Like I'm kind of just throwing my projections out of the window for this because the Texans are 11 and six to the under, but their margin, like the extent to which their games have leaned to the under across the course of the season is basically neutral. So despite their strong under record, they are, you know, an average team in terms of like uh over unders and then the browns have been a strong over team 10 6 and 1 to the over with a really high margin and then on the road they are 8 0 to the over with joe Franco, they are 4 and 1 to the over like that defense i think just it's you know different on the road it hasn't been quite as good to close the season. And with Flacco, that offense has been significantly better than it was. And I don't know if the market has has adjusted enough. And then, of course, this game is indoors, so you don't have to deal with any of the weather issues. Uh, indoor overs in the postseason are 31 and 17. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm just in the situation of I don't really trust my projection to the under in this spot. I'm probably staying away from the total. And on the side, I'm I'm leaning towards Houston, um, but I haven't bet it yet. Yeah, also with the Texans, you know, it's kind of hard to parse through other games. You know, you had C.J. Stroud miss games. You had Nico Collins, who is a big player towards the over, uh, given his explosive plays. Um, so they've had some injuries. They also don't have Tank Dell, who had some big plays as well, so you could argue that the other way. But it's kind of hard to parse uh, all their different spots, given uh, the injuries that they've had. So, And the Browns are tricky, too, with, with Flacco now versus the other quarterback play that they have. So it's a really tricky game to me, and I can kind of make arguments on all sides. And the NFL markets are so efficient that broadly when you're you know, saying, okay, I can see the argument for both sides, these markets are efficient. Don't don't force a bet. You don't have to, as a better, again, the, the biggest advantage that you have is you can wait for your pitch. You can watch 100 pitches go by and then wait for the fastball right down the middle. So this is most likely a stay away for me. Um, I do think it's interesting from a fantasy perspective, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm torn on, on a lot of different factors here. So uh, it's, it's a stay away for me at this point in time. 
Yeah, that's that's fair. And as I said, I'm waiting for that plus three. If and if it hits the market, I will probably be betting it. And if not, I will be thinking about you know pairing with Dallas seven and a half down to one and a half, Houston two and a half up to the eight and a half. I think you know that would be the way that I would be investing in this. All right, uh, we've talked about all of these games here. Is there a favorite bet that is on the board right now that stands out to you? I'll still go with the Eagles. I really loved it at two and a half. But uh, again, I think that there's so much recency bias here uh, with how badly the Eagles have been playing. The Buccaneers have been up and down throughout the year. They have a couple of strengths, but a lot of weaknesses. I think they're certainly vulnerable to getting beat through the air. Um, and I think the Eagles have such an advantage with their offensive line. So I'm betting that the Eagles are healthier than kind of what uh, you know is being projected out there. Uh, and I really think the day of rest benefits them. I think playing in warm weather uh, can certainly help them too. They're playing at night. So I, I think the Eagles are going to do well here. And I, I also like the over, especially that'll be my favorite bet, especially if you can grab a 43 and a half. Uh, I'm under the assumption that some of these Philly guys may be out. So I like betting the Eagles now. And then if there's more injuries that move this line back towards two and a half, uh, I would imagine that's more on the defensive side of the football uh, than I'd be interested in the over. The doomsday for me is that, you know, A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith or, or something happens with Hurts uh, where they're limited or you know more injured than I think they currently are based on what I'm kind of reading the tea leaves with. So that would be my doomsday. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll bet on some uncertainty and just say the Eagles are healthier, bet on the team that they were earlier this season and what they were last year. Uh, this offense is, you know, in my view, should be clicking uh, given, you know, they have all their guys back uh under what i'm just kind of reading the tea leaves with so i like the eagles what's your favorite bet yeah i gotta go with the rams here rams plus three again i think this should be uh plus two and a half mcveigh has a significant coaching advantage i think over dan campbell who like i respect but um man i think he just put his team in a kind of bad situation given uh that they are not rested at all and they are missing uh some of their pass catchers and you have the rested rams coming in uh mcveigh knowing golf very well revenge game for matt stafford back in detroit it just feels like a a very good setup uh and the rams defense not great but respectably average and i think you put all that together and that will be enough for them to uh i mean honestly i feel like they probably win this game outright but i think that will be enough for them to cover the plus three that we are seeing in the market right now uh all right pete uh anything else that you kind of want to call attention to the uh the work that you guys have going on it unabated uh anything like that yeah i mean i think it's a really fun playoff slate uh, i'm really enjoying all the best ball out there uh i think playoff best ball is my favorite form of fantasy period uh it's a combination of basically futures bets and fantasy so i really think it's important to, to be thoughtful about who you're stacking uh, you know, you have the interesting dynamic where you need to advance the first round, but then a lot of the money's paid out in the Super Bowl. So, you know, I'm really bullish on the Ravens. You want to get Ravens and 49ers players, but you can't have too many on your team because then it's hard to advance in the first round. So uh, there's so many interesting dynamics. I'm really enjoying that over on Underdog and DraftKings. And then from a DFS perspective, uh, it's a really, really fun slate. There's a slate for all six games. There's a Saturday slate. There's a Sunday slate. There's the, you know, Monday night showdown slate which i think will be a lot of fun uh for the the six game slate and for the 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 slates that you know are saturday and sunday only make sure you're taking advantage of late swap there's some big edges there 
people don't change their lineups enough. Uh, and I think you can take advantage of kind of the information that you have based on how the early games play out. So really excited for fantasy, excited for the betting markets. And yeah, there's props galore. There's so many opportunities. Uh, there's just a lot of liquidity in these markets. So excited for the playoffs. And I've really enjoyed uh, doing the show with you, Friedman. Yeah, enjoy doing it with you. And I mean, as you say, this is an awesome six game slate that we have this weekend. And you mentioned the prop market. Normally, I don't think there's all that much value in the touchdown market, but I was looking at it earlier today. And I think there are a number of uh, lines that are, uh, you know, not like egregiously off, but uh, offering more value than what we normally see. So yeah, certainly the prop market will be more robust than what we normally have uh, for every game. So everyone be sure to check that out all right that is going to do it for this wild card overview edition of the betting live show powered by unabated please subscribe to the show tell your degenerate betting friends join the discord see all of our bets in the free fantasy life bet tracker and follow us on social media at csuram 88 and matt f the oracle thank you and see you again next episode